Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Yeah, I had lots of complaints about my singing last week. <laughs> They're not sitting here. And I've been singing Daydream Believer all week and driving everyone mad. Oh, God. What's with the, the bells? That's Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells with a very iconic album cover. You're probably too young to remember Much that album. Young. Much too young. But he was the theme tune to The Exorcist which was released in this country in 1974. I love that film. And I remember I was never allowed to see it as a child. But anyway, I watched the documentary, which was on the BBC iPlayer, and it was all about the making of The Exorcist. I'm always fascinated with how people got things made because it's always a struggle. It always looks so easy when you go to the cinema and there's The Exorcist. You don't see all the actresses who turned it down, like Jane Fonda said, I'm not going to play the mother, I don't want to be in that. And no one wanted to make it, no one wanted to direct it, because it was a very difficult book to make into a film. So I'm really fascinated about how they make this film, because it's always a struggle. Dirty yeah. Dancing was a, a struggle, Mamma Mia was a struggle. And particularly at, at that time, we didn't have the technology, did we? It was I, I loved the documentary. I thought it was fascinating how they recreated some of the effects and everything. I thought it was amazing and, and quite hilarious sometimes. There yeah. was a lot of angry people, wasn't there, because the director just abused like the actors and everything. It was quite funny. And the, and also, Linda Blair was like 12 or something, and she was having to say all these terrible words. Um, but actually, the most I didn't I found the most frightening was when it was quite subtle. She just heard a banging upstairs in the loft rather than all the vomiting and stuff. I found yeah. the subtle stuff. Um, they haven't surpassed that film, actually. I watched a film last night, which is a brand new horror. Um, and it starred Rebecca Hall, who's that sort of long-faced actress whose father was Sir Peter Hall. What one's this, then? Because I'm, I'm getting ready to get my Halloween night ready with all, all the films. I love Halloween. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. Do you go trick-or-treating? Uh, do you know, I really, where I live, I'm in the middle of nowhere, so I don't get any trick-or-treaters, but I really want them. I really want to get, like, loads of sweets and just... I, I love that, but... Well, Rebecca Hall's more. new horror is called The Night House, and her husband's committed suicide, and she's a teacher, and so she's all alone in her house, thinking her husband is haunting her. I'm not going to spoil it. But the main thing I was thinking was, how could a teacher afford such an amazing house by a lake? That's what I was is thinking. Is it American? Never mind, yeah. But never mind 
how does the husband come back from the dead? How does she afford such a nice house with the deck and a boat? But they all do in in these American films, don't they? They've how do all they afford got, such nice houses? They've all got these amazing properties. You know, you, they don't film anything in like Like, if you watch Ricky Gervais's um, Afterlife, which is about him being a widower, and he's a local journalist... In Afterlife, he's not a Fleet Street like me, award-winning award Fleet winning. Street, not top of the tree, Fleet Street. We won Best Newspaper yesterday at the pre- another Press Awards. I didn't win anything in that because I wasn't entered because they thought, you know, it wouldn't be fair on the competition. <laughs> but how does Ricky Gervais, as a local news journalist, afford that amazing house? This is It always puzzles me. Well... It's quite a nice house. Is it amazing? Yeah, it is. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to afford a shed if you worked on a local paper. No, no. I mean, look at me. I'm top of the tree. You're I've only got one tree. bedroom. You're top of the tree. <laughs> God help us. But anyway, the main point of me watching this, well, I was just, yeah, I've seen everything the that there is to see. So I was watching this documentary. As I got to the end of the documentary and it showed that this is my column... Da, da, da. We're going first with the column, which is the main point of this podcast. <laughs> you say that every week. <laughs> every week. In which I glimpse a ghost from my past. So dramatic. So Halloween. Do, do, do. Did do, you do, do we that? we have Mike Oldfield did again? You, did you do that? Because it was Halloween this week. Was it on purpose? So I was casually watching BBC iPlayer when my past came back to hit me in the face. Yikes. So the film was released in the UK in 1974 to mass hysteria. Young women fainted, walked out, completely ridiculous. I don't get and the fainting thing. Anyway, at the end of this documentary, a reporter is shown interviewing cinema goers as they emerged. And there, in all his car-coated, hair curling round his collar, chisel-faced gorgeousness was the first man I ever slept with. She's sitting here, and if you could see her, she's grinning from ear to ear. We've got a real Cheshire Cat thing going on. But poor Russell, unbeknownst to him, and him having not done anything for 41 years, says he's been illustrated in New Magazine, which is what I find amazing. And actually, the illustration is nowhere near as handsome as he is. So handsome. This is, I think, the first time... I made, I made Nick... I was screaming and I phoned Nick and I said, watch the documentary about the exorcist, fast forward to the last five minutes and have a look at Russell. I have to say this is the first time ever, ever ever, that Liz and I have actually agreed on a man being handsome. But who slept with him? Not you. I would have. I would have. No problem. Not you. (laughs) But I would. I would, though. I'd go there, though. (laughs) You were still a fetus. I was still a fetus. But, I mean, very handsome. We never agree, do we? What you consider handsome, I consider, like... But here's the main point, everyone. This is what we have to point out. I've gone up a scale here. Not only was he handsome, he became a movie star. So I've actually slept with a movie star. It wasn't Brad... Is a movie star a little bit of an no? He was in movies. He was in Cry Freedom with Kevin Klein. But was but was he a movie star? I mean, when you say movie star, I'm thinking of like you know Tom Cruise and stuff. I mean, we're not quite on that level, are we? Bless him. But he's been in movies. In my book, <laughs> I'm not going to really improve on that at my stage of life. <laughs> you don't know that. You have no idea what's to come. 
Oh, and, and, can Big I just quote, remind can I just you? carry on with the column? No, you can't, because I'm going to remind you of not only did she make me watch it, but she actually recorded it and made me clip it down so it was on a little clip so she could keep watching just that part. Yeah, that was the Miranda Priestley moment. Yes. Can you make Russell into a clip that I can save on my laptop? Yes. So sadly, I have now created a little video that she can just keep watching him emerging from the cinema. So... He's filmed coming out of the cinema looking incredibly handsome. Mm. And I've told you at the end of the column how you can watch it as well. And you can all be incredibly jealous. Fast forward to 1977-78. And I was 19, 18, 19, and sharing a flat with a few drama students in London. We all went, we all knew each other in Southend. And we all came up to London together. And they went to drama school and I went to journalism school. And one of my flatmates, Chris, went to Central School of Speech and Drama. So whenever we had a party in our flat, which is in the Barbican, it was populated by people who became famous. Rupert Everett was in my flat. You did quite well, didn't you? I didn't know he was gay. I just thought he was handsome. (laughs) And also in my flat, so it was quite crowded was Julian Wadham. And Julian Wadham was in The English Patient, my favourite film of all time. I wish they'd make a film about how they made that in the desert. And Julian Wadham played Kristen Scott Thomas's husband. So he was a movie star. And Rupert was a movie star. You're saying they're not movie stars. They are movie no, stars. I'll give you Rupert. I'll give you Rupert. So one night I went for a drink with my flatmate Chris to a pub And I even remember where the pub was. I should go back there. There should be a sign. This is where Liz met Russell. Are you going to put a little plaque up? You're going to sneak in and screw a plaque on the chair. And it was a pub on Cambridge Circus. And there, emerging from the shadows, was Russell, the most handsome man I've ever seen. And he was Jewish and he was very cockney, very tall and willowy. Now, we all know I never get the men I fancy until they're sort of too old to be of use to anyone. (laughs) Till they've disintegrated. <laughs> I got one, as we know. Yeah. Readers of my column will know I got one. Maybe but that was only on. after 30 years of reconstructive surgery and several quite tiring Pilates courses. But for some reason, Russell, the most handsome man in London, took a shine to me and he snogged me at one of our parties. <gasps> I am a bit jealous. I've got to be honest. I oh, am a bit jealous. Those lips. Those lips. It's actually beautiful. If you go on the BBC iPlayer, I've been welded to those lips like a clam. (laughs) And and I'm not not putting the link on YouTube in case he sues me. (laughs) And then he took me to a wedding as his date. Not our wedding, sadly, a wedding. That's quite official, isn't it? And then he took me as his date. And then he came back to our flat in the Barbican. And luckily, the girl I shared a room with was away. So this was in italics when I filed it. But when it comes to be published, it's not in italics. I don't understand why. The most handsome man I've ever seen spent the night in my narrow single bed. Ta-da! Well, you've got to cuddle up there, haven't you? If only I'd known that was a highlight of my life, I could have just stopped there. Yeah, but did you take advantage of him? We didn't have sex. Oh, for God's sake. As I was too terrified and I was worried my, about my mum finding out. <laughs> I'd also terrible acne, so there wasn't really anywhere safe for him to land. But he did hold me, those hands, <gasps> before he fell asleep. The next day, I got up and made him coffee in the original 70s galley kitchen 
of the Barbican, which is now very prized. When they sell a flat in the Barbican now, they say it's got the original 70s galley kitchen. But at the time, it was just the kitchen. Yeah. We didn't know it was original in the 70s. If only you'd have known, it would have changed your life. Back to Russell in bed, that's what when I When I finally plucked up courage to go back to see him lying in my single bed, I saw he'd fallen asleep again. I think I rarely saw him after that. I think he secretly knew I was in love with my flatmate, Chris, who left me, well, he never fancied me, actually, for Joanne Wally. Oh, dear. A dark-eyed temptress. But Russell's a good consolation prize. He was, he was cute. Russell was brief. He didn't even remove my knickers. But I can go to my pauper's unmarked grave, knowing I shared, just for one night, a narrow single bed with that. You've got to go on the iPlayer and look at him. Everyone tell me on Twitter that you've seen him, that you're jealous. Anyway, since spotting him in the clip, frozen for all eternity, in the moment he was most gorgeous, I'm now wondering what became of him. Of course, when we met, I was in the grips of anorexia, hence the skin. I didn't want him to undress me, as he would have been horrified, because I'd missed a session at the Teo Clinic in Knightsbridge, where the war on superfluous hair took place, so had these little bastards sprouting like asparagus everywhere, nipples, belly, chin. I was also suffering from broken capillaries on my face, and I had to go to a countess on Beach and Place to have them cauterised, and they were still healing when I spent the night with Russell, and they were dark brown and scabby. I was deaf, so I couldn't hear a word he said. He might have said, Liz, remove those knickers. But I didn't hear him and I just went, eh? And he gave up. To be fair, if I had him in bed, I'd have removed him just in case. I'd have just not taken any chances on not hearing that. The thing is, when you're 18, 19, you're not interesting. I didn't have any antidotes, did I? I was just shy and I was just boring. I was shy. Oh, I'm sure you were very interesting. I wasn't. Well, he, 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 he snogged you. He must have found something interesting. I wasn't best placed to be a girlfriend, but my goodness, that night has to go down as a triumph. I touched a man's bare skin. I felt normal. A handsome actor, stroke movie star, <laughs> liked me enough to ask me out. I thought everything was going to be okay. And at the end of my column, I've done a little guide to how you can all see him and be really jealous. And... Even though it's been 41 years since I last clapped eyes, I'm still going at the BBC iPlayer. Who's that woman he's with? Who did he take to the cinema? Who? In a jealous rage. Oh, God. <laughs> see, there was a little woman next to him. Who was that? Could have been did you sister. see? Did you blow her up? Uh, no, I did not blow her up. I'm not the stalker Did you here. not blow her up to see no. she got shed glasses? I'm not the stalker I'm here. kind of thinking it was his mother. I'm hoping it was his mother. Only if she started when she was about three. I don't think so. Do you so. think it was a girlfriend? Well, it could have been his sister for all. It could have just been a friend. But it, it sort of didn't matter really, did he? Because he wasn't with you at the time. No, I suppose <laughs> it doesn't matter. And it was 41 years ago and nothing ever happened between us. But I still want to know who the woman was. So if it's you... Step forward and identify yourself. <laughs> I wouldn't if I was you. She'll Why were you at the rage. cinema with my love tri love triangle twist <laughs> person? So poor Russell's been illustrated and I really wanted him to get back to me before this column came out because now it's all just going to be complete chaos, isn't it? Yeah. You haven't said that I you wanted him to come him. back, eh? You haven't said that you contacted him. Well, people are going to know, aren't they? They are going to know because they know you. You don't even have to say it. <laughs> 
I've been Googling him. <laughs> you've been Googling him. You've watching little clips of him. Russell or Nigel? Russell. Shut up. Not. <sighs> anyway, I was so love struck. This woman contacted me on LinkedIn and she gave me a tarot reading. That's exciting. I love a tarot reading. So she said, what questions do you want? So I said, am I going to sell my second book? Am I, well, it's not really a second book, it's a second novel. Am I going to meet a lovely man? Am I going to be rich? And she replied and she said, you're going to have an argument with a man. Well, that's not very positive, is it? No, but it's pretty standard, you know, it's pretty normal, isn't it? To argue yeah, but with you have man. to go out with someone before. You can't just go and argue with someone. You have to go out with them first for a little bit, and then <laughs> they might, start doing things wrong. Might be a shopkeeper or something. You have, you have frequent arguments out and about. And she said, my second novel's going to be a huge success, and I'll be rich in some people's eyes, but not in my own. That is because whatever you have, you want more. That is because you're never satisfied. You're always climbing, looking for extra. No, I was quite happy at Lawn House, actually. No, but you are. You push yourself, don't you? You're a perfectionist. You push yourself. And she got me to do a spell. Did you do it? Because I wanted Russell to email me. So she said, you do a spell and you get a red candle and you put two pins through it. Sounded very voodoo. And you burn the candle down as far as the pins and you keep willing the person of your desire to email you or phone you or text you or contact you. And by the time the flame reaches the pins, they should have emailed you or contacted you. Right. And? And nothing. 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 It was like my birthday all over again. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I emailed her to complain <laughs> about the spell not working. Right. This is like phoning the plumber, isn't it? It's like 40 towers. My heating's not working. You say, your magic didn't work. And she says, oh, I know, spells never work for me either. Okay. That's <laughs> great, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, perhaps she needs to just like rethink her career then. <laughs> so, how have you been this week, Nat? Not as exciting as my week. Well, no, I, but I get dragged into your week, don't I? I get dragged into the stalking and stuff. <laughs> um, I it's been it's, it's certainly been a busy week. I I picked up Boris. I have the a beagle. Bo- I have Boris the beagle, and who is. Beyond cute, he's beyond he's cute. He's enormous. He's enormous and he's so cute. He's also willful and stubborn. So we're going through the settling in stage at the moment and we're starting to work on some of his issues. He's got no recall. He's um, He pulls on the lead like a train. I mean, it's literally like being attached to a car and off you go. And he gets separation anxiety. Um, so at the moment, I can't sort of like, leave him I'm working well, we've on had these. we've had two months of Nick being able to leave Charlie and now she can't leave the other one no well I'm working on it I've started working on all his issues and how would you go and work at Booper what oh, would you do with him <laughs> I think I'd have to take him with me the way it stands so but he's a lovely lovely dog and 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 I think this is true of a lot of dogs that come into rescue they're let down by people I mean he doesn't have boundaries. He doesn't have any education. He doesn't feel safe. He feels like he's got to cling to me because he's he's scared because he's been passed from pillar to post. And I think that is so true of so many. And it, and it just makes me so angry that people have just repeatedly let this dog down. I, it really upsets me. So we we have started we have started rehab. 
So that's Boris, bless him. He is lovely, though. He is sweet. Very cuddly. Very, very, very cuddly. And I'm very angry because some had nicked my quad bike. You found, didn't you, the gate They open. are catnip to burglars They now. are catnip. What I'm really pleased about is it needs a new starter motor and it needs a new exhaust. So bloody good luck with them selling it. So I'm now back to pushing a barra. I was checking the horses very late at night with the dogs and I found the gate to the horses field wide open and the chain cut. So I'm running through the field going, swirly, swirly, and I fell over a mini puppy. Yeah, yeah. Liz phoned me and said the gate's open to the field. I came running in, in my nightdress and my wellies, didn't I, on two wheels. Can we believe, everyone, that when Nick goes to bed, not like a normal person, I wear sort of tracksuit bottoms or flannel pyjamas, she wears a negligee. It's a nightshirt. It was a nightshirt. She wears a floaty negligee. <laughs> Who does who does that apart from someone who's like ninety five? It's called self care, looking after yourself. Not tra- how can you sleep in tracksuit bombs? It's too hot. I couldn't stand it. I can't stand being all trussed up. I can't stand it. So she came down to confront drug dealers from Darlington in a nightie and wellies and wellies in a nightie. They go near my house. That's, that's going to scare right. them off. <laughs> all I'd have to do is lift it, then they'd run. <laughs> So, so, yeah, very angry. But the worst thing is they stole the quad bike and left the gate open even though there are horses in the field. Yeah. That's mean, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the only thing I really care about is the horses, obviously. And the big news is that I'm now on Instagram. Well, I'm not, on, Inst- well, I'm not on Instagram, but Mini Puppy is because Mini Puppy feels a little bit edited out of the podcast whenever she wants a poo. So Mini has got her own Instagram account and it's lazy underscore collie. And she's got some really cute outfits. Yeah, she's wearing a pumpkin at the moment, so she's a bit hot. Is she a pumpkin now? Yeah. I, my favourite has got to be the raincoat with the hood. Yeah. With her little cantering across the grass. That's with my favourite. With her favorite. white paws. Yeah, yeah, that's my favourite. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Shall we move on to the next column? Shall we move on to the next column? Well, this is the archive. Go on then. Da, da, da. I had a reader's letter this week on Twitter. She slipped into my DMs. Ooh. And she said, I couldn't help it. I've been Googling and I found a photograph of Nigel. Is this him? So I replied, yes, yes, yes. I'm surprised I haven't had to print it off and frame it for you. And she said, if it is him... What are you still doing here? Why are you not in Sydney? So the archive is from 2010. You see, I've pined after him for 11 years. Yeah, kind of just do something. Did I meet him before the facelift or after? I hope it was before or after. Was it before or after? I think it was before, wasn't it? Oh, dear. Yeah, but you were younger then, so it's not so much of an issue as it is now. And this is when I went to Bali in the footsteps of Julia Roberts. As Liz Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. So I did Rome, where I went into a rage. It doesn't happen to them in the books and the film, does it? Like Julia Roberts got to Rome and she's shown this lovely apartment. I get to Rome and the cable to my laptop is severed and I've got three weeks in foreign climes and I haven't got a laptop. And I'm raging at the hotel and I'm saying, 
someone vacuumed over my cable. You've ruined my cable. I now can't charge my laptop. You've vacuumed over my cable. Only the next day did I realise it must have been chewed by Gracie before I left. <laughs> Oops. So well, I had to get a taxi to a horrible shopping mall outside Rome to buy another laptop. And then my laptop, unbeknownst to me, because I thought they were universal... Yeah, we learned we learned the hard way, didn't we? Well, I did. You well, weren't there. No, but I was trying to sort it out when you come back. <laughs> I was then on a three-week mission for the Daily Mail with a laptop that only spoke Italian. The keyboard was all... The keys were in the wrong place. Did you know that? Yes, they were all in the wrong place. It was awful. Word was in Italian, so I had to learn the Italian for save, <laughs> word count, spell check... So I can now speak Italian, certain words. It's awful. Then I went to India to a yoga retreat and I was still very stressed, unlike Julia Roberts and Elizabeth Gilbert. And I was in Kerala in the same retreat in the film and the book and there was a huge spider in my room. So I phoned reception and I said, there's a huge spider in my room, can you come and rehome him? I'm surprised you didn't phone me. Well, I would have done it, yeah. <laughs> so they sent this boy, and all he did was rile the spider up. So rather than just sitting quietly in the store, he started running around the ceiling. All, I said, well, all you've done is rile him up. And then I tried to meditate, oh, and I sorry. forgot my mantra. So I phoned reception. I said, I've forgotten my mantra. What is it? So then I probably tried you. Yeah, I think you probably did. Wasn't that calm? Something. And then I got to Bali. Now, everyone thinks that Bali is a paradise. It's a shithole. I got to this hotel. It was sort of like a... It's a, quite disappointing. It was like a concentration camp. You know, these horrible holiday... Yeah. What are they called? Resorts? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. So I was in a real depression. I thought, I'm sure Julia Roberts didn't stay here. And then I got a text from the photographer saying, Hi, Liz, I'm your photographer for the Daily Mail. Do you want to come and have a drink in the bar? So we're now doing that steps thing, aren't we, where we're doing the beating heart. And I thought, well, I know all these photographers and they're just old, bald men who are very chippy. Oh, God, we're not using that word again. And they don't like the writers, you see. The writers and the photographers don't like each other because the photographers only think the pictures are the most important. And they do 400 pictures. Well, even I could get a picture right taken 400 times. And then you're literally fainting with fatigue and they say, just one more, just one more. But I kind of broke the habit of a lifetime and I thought, well, I will go down for a drink because my room's so hideous I can't look at it. So I put on, and I remember what I was wearing. Oh, my God. I was wearing Maharishi green combat trousers, very worn and low-slung, and a pair of slides. And my top was a sort of Dries Van Noten sort of slip dress. And I went down to reception, and there was Nigel. And your heart was taken (gasps) in an instant. (sighs) The butterflies flowed from the doorway towards him in a magnetic pull. And he was so burly. And he started Googling vegan restaurants nearby that we could go and have something to eat. And so he was very proactive. Thoughtful, capable. Capable. And he had to photograph me as Julia Roberts riding a bicycle through the paddy fields. Now, I don't know whether you know this, but paddy fields are quite wet. 
So I kept the wheels kept getting stuck and I just go over on my side. <laughs> so he's running along behind. He sort of stole this bicycle off this old peasant and put me on the bicycle. And then I had to go and get my fortune told by the same fortune teller who told the fortune for Elizabeth Gilbert and for Julia Roberts. And there was a picture of Julia Roberts in her little hut. Oh, but I write in the piece, stop yawning. <laughs> I'm tired. That going to Bali, and I'm sure this didn't happen to Julia Roberts, I had to change planes at Singapore at 5am. So I was really, really tired. So I bought some YSL Tushikla concealer. Thank God. From the airport. Now we know what, what was going to happen. Thank God that you had your concealer. But the worst thing was the sales assistant at the airport said, would you like to use it now? <laughs> Oops. But I had another reading, you see. I had the same reading with the fortune teller that Julia Roberts had. So after the tarot thing. And this woman was called Wayan, a Balinese medicine woman. In the book... Liz Gilbert falls off her bicycle, becomes septic, and Wayne grinds herbs and roots and applies a poultice. They meet every day and become close. So I got a taxi with Nigel to Wayne's clinic because I want the same spiritual growth. Right, what happened? <laughs> what, where There's a long queue. There's a long queue of all these women wanting to see her. There's a picture of Julia Roberts on the, on the wall. I love it. The spiritual sort of woman has got, got the picture of the movie star on the wall. To, that's hilarious. When she begins her reading, she says, have you been married for 20 years? No. Have you had many, many miscarriages? No. Do you have pain in your lower back, a sore ankle? No. No. You have a good sex life, she said. Um, no. And at this <laughs> point, I'm looking at Nigel. But I'd like one. <laughs> She said, oh, Barbara, she did say a few things, good things. She says, I worry too much. My brain is split in two different directions and I have a floated tummy. What does floated mean? I think she meant bloated. <laughs> she tells me six men have loved me, but I have not noticed them. I have a right arthritis in my knees and back. I don't think that's true. She says, I will meet a man and it will be true love. So I kept saying, when, when, when am I going to meet him? When? But she's staring at Nigel at this point, hopefully. And then she says, I've still got three good eggs and I'm going to have three children. Right. She didn't do very well, did she? Looking no. at this ten years later. No. This, this, no. Yeah. Then a nice young man gave me a foot massage, which is quite good because then Nigel got to see my feet. Your, your shell-like feet. Yeah, my, my nails are like shells. <laughs> Did you have your Tom Ford pink nail varnish? But the sweetest thing, though, about Nigel, this is the thing that attracted me to him, apart from his burliness and that we had so much in common because he was Fleet Street. He understood that I couldn't hear, and this is before I got hearing aids. So I was having this reading, and Nigel was sitting sort of in a little corner, and he made notes of everything she said so that I would know because I couldn't hear her. That's so nice. And he made a complete notes. Rather than just go outside and stand in the street and smoke, he sat there making notes of what she said. See, that's so nice, isn't it? That's so nice. I think I'd love him for that. We all and love him. And the vegan restaurant. I'd love you to get with him. But then I went slightly wrong at the end of it because in the book she has this romance, doesn't she? Yeah. And so I say, well, actually, stupid Liz Gilbert and Julia Roberts, they're only happy, A, because of the huge royalty checks and they're really rich, and you, they met and shagged a lovely, handsome man. 
Both of which actually would work for me. I, I wouldn't have a problem with either of those. But I was sitting in my room at this horrible resort in Bali and Nigel texted me to say, I'm leaving for the airport. I'm by the pool. Do you want to come and say goodbye? And I said no. Why? Why did you do that? Because I'm just too nervous. It's the same as I didn't take my pants off with Russell. I'm just a nervous person. I was too nervous to go and meet him by the pool and say goodbye. I and it's ruined my oh, whole life. I literally want to slap you to be. You've been with him on, on shoots. You've been spending time with him. Going to say goodbye and have a drink. It was just a natural progression. Yeah. Well, we can't travel back in time, We can can't, we? but if we could, I would slap you and say, get down there now. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. What letters have we had this week, Nick? Right, we have... Is everyone being supportive? Everyone's very supportive. They're always supportive. They're always supportive. We've had um, a couple of people say that they've read the extract of the tortoise that they got free when, when they've bought your signed book. And they're loving it. They can't wait for the book to come out. So they're really enjoying that. And we have got a letter from Annie who says... I'm not really a follower of celebs, but I found Courtney Kardashian getting engaged to Travis Barker this week thought-provoking. He's the man with the tattoos, isn't he? Yeah, mainly because she has three children with her ex and who she was on and off with for many years, and he proposed to her a few times, and she always said she wasn't ready. Then along comes three-times-divorced drummer, and she's head over heels in a matter of months and accepts a proposal. So my question is, do you think some people click and just fall in love in an instant? Yes, me and Nigel. Yeah. I, I think that's true. When I saw Tony, I literally looked at him and, and I was in love with him. And I did. I ended up engaged to him now, you know, and sadly I'm not now. But I absolutely think you just look at, you can. Love at first sight exists. I don't care. <laughs> Nigel. My second question to both of you again is, having read Liz's book about moving to Exmoor, my favourite comfort read, I wonder what your first impressions of each other were and how quickly your friendship developed. So go on then. <laughs> I can take it. Go on, do your worst. <laughs> well, I first met Nick because I'd rescued this racehorse and because of her previous life, and she was very aggressive. You couldn't put head color on you because she used to bite. She couldn't pick her feet up. She was very difficult. So Nick was an equine behaviorist. And she kept stressing the word equine and I kept showing her an naughty collie. And she came and helped me with Lizzie. And I thought Nick was very efficient and prompt and turned up on time. 
<laughs> and she used to send me these very, very long emails after she'd had a session with Lizzie because that was when she just worked sort of freelance for me and came for a couple of hours. I'd get this huge, long essay. Well, I started doing this and then I did that and then I gave her some treats and a, a, a huge, long essay. But now she works for me full time. All I get is, oh, yeah, fine. It's been 13 years now. I'm tired. Fine. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> it's been a long time. So, when I first met Liz, I, I thought that Don't she Don't be was, mean. No, no, I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking, I thought she was absolutely dedicated to her animals. Lizzie, I am, li- No, but this is what I thought. <laughs> Lizzie was, had every single problem. I remember walking in and, and Lizzie meeting the horse, Lizzie. Lizzie, 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 the, Lizzie the horse, which does get confusing. And she had every conceivable problem. She had separation anxiety. You couldn't handle her. You couldn't take her away from the other horses. You couldn't rug her. You couldn't touch her while she was eating. You, I mean, literally, she didn't pick up her feet. There was literally nothing, was there, that we didn't have to work on. And I had every respect for Liz for taking on this horse and being really committed to sorting out her issues. And I sort of said to Liz, I know you look at the things on TV and they chuck them around around pen and, you know, it's all sorted. This is not the case. I'm going to have to come every day and work with her. And sometimes it will be for five minutes, sometimes it will be for an hour, depending on what's going on with her and, and what's appropriate. And Liz completely supported the way I worked with Lizzie. She completely threw herself into everything that, I, you know, her exercises to do with Lizzie. And I, I really respected that because for a lot of people, horses are disposable. And if that one's not working out, they'll get another yeah, one. Yeah, I remember saying to a, a, a horsey woman who lives around here, I got Lizzie the rescued racehorse and she had all these problems and, her, and she, you know, she was blind in one eye, as we found out, and uh, she was a great... And she said, well, why did you get her? <laughs> because no one else is going to have yeah, her. absolutely. I don't get the horse for me. And I remember you said to my sister, well, Liz has got a really difficult horse. I don't know why she didn't just get an old colt. No, I, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say that. I got the horse for her. I didn't get the horse for my own enjoyment. I got the horse because no, she needed rescue. I didn't say that. I said that you would have probably, you would have enjoyed a horse that was more suitable for you. You would have enjoyed it more. However, like you, I like Boris, I want a staffy puppy. I want... Boris was the one that needed a home. Boris has got the issues. No one else would take him. So, like you, I took on him because the alternative was kennels. And can you imagine having separation anxiety in a kennel and being shut away from everything? It would have destroyed him. And I think that's the case. If you're a real animal lover, if you genuinely love animals, you don't go and buy. But most people get a dog or a horse for, them. or for themselves yeah. or for yeah. their children. Yeah. Which is yeah. the worst ever, it's kids, yeah. isn't it? And actually, I did get an easy horse because I got Benji, and he perfect. You can do anything with Benji. I mean, yeah. he did need it's rescuing. Perfect. No one wanted him because he's an old pony who didn't like children. I had him, and he's the most loving Nothing. pony yeah. in the entire world. Yeah. If Benji spots me out walking my dogs, he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Benji just loves me. I love that pony. No, I think if you really love animals, you have the animals that need you, whether that's an old animal that needs a sofa to, to spend the last six months of its life on rather like than Hilda. going in kennels like Hilda, or if it's a, a dog, a young dog like Boris that's, that desperately needs direction and help and, and to feel safe. That's what you do when you love them. 
That's why I got you, Nick. <laughs> well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit melplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.